I'm going to work from behind the fence to give me a degree of separation because Wearing them, can you hear? Okay. To give me a degree of separation in this time of COVID, um, but also so you can see my mouth and read my lips, because as we get older, I recognize for myself it's very important to be able to see the person who's speaking, because much of our perception, much of our understanding, comes from also reading lips and expression, and this kind of cuts that. So while I'm speaking, I'll do it from back here like I said, to keep as much separation as I possibly can. Um, in the way of COVID, um, yeah, when are we gonna be able to take these off? Well, the last week, when the report came out on Friday, in Pasco County, we're, we're dropping, but we're still, it was 460, let's say five, it was somewhere in the mid 460s, cases a day in Pasco County. Back in the surge that we had after the first of the year, the winter surge, the worst we got was a little over 300. So we're still a good 50% more than we were at the previous worst time that we had. So for that reason, we will continue to wear masks and we'll continue to try to maintain some sort of distance to stay, keep people healthy. Um, for that reason also, I had wanted to do a new members class um, I'm going to push that down the road until we can get a little better reading, as well as the class when I first started the, laying, the class for prayers for wholesome and healing. I'd planned to do that in this fall, figuring that by this point it will have pretty much passed, and it hasn't yet. It actually got worse. So I'm ho hoping and praying that it will continue to drop. Like I said, it has started to drop. Um, it got as high as 600 and some. It was like 650 cases a day in Pasco County a couple weeks ago. So it has started to drop both in our state and in our county. Um, keep in prayers those parts of the country where it's going up. When we were on vacation, we were in um, south central uh, Washington state, and right across the border in Idaho, they were reaching capacity in their hospitals that they were starting to have to turn people away from hospitals because they couldn't treat any more patients. So it is still ravaging our country. So yes, let's keep prayers that God will bless our country with um, some healing from this plague. Now, if we have any first time visitors here today, if you'd be so bold as to raise a hand, we have a little pamphlet that explains more about our church um, and I will bring it to you. Do we have any first time visitors who are so bold to to be recognized? Okay, that's fine. Um, like I said, I want to plan to have a new members class. I want to have it before uh, Thanksgiving, but I'm watching the numbers and waiting till it drops down. And the same with the class that everybody who had signed up, I appreciate all the signups for the, the class on uh, prayer for healing and wholeness. I'm gonna keep kicking that down the road until our numbers have gotten more manageable and it's safer to meet with a larger group in closer context. Um, also, today is an extension of a celebration that we had about a month ago. Um, both Kayla and Layla are here today, and they're going to receive their first communion today. Um, they were not able to be here because of the death in the family um, when we did it originally. 
but today they're here. So before we actually partake communion together, right after I say the words of institution and we say the Lord's Prayer, I'm going to come down and I'm going to invite them so we can all witness them taking First Communion. And Kayla, I'm sorry I'm putting you on the spot, but Grandma said she'll come up with you. Okay? Are we still friends? Okay. Bless the child who doesn't want to make a scene. Oh, what a wonderful thing. <laughs> now, um, the written announcements here. There's a box in the narthex for donations for uh, Childhood Cancer Awareness Month. Um, please collect your current copy of the directory. We have a new directory. It's actually not a new directory, but we have about a dozen new names that are stapled in the front. So all our new members that we have taken in this year are in this directory, although they are in the front of the directory stapled in. So we have a copy of that. They're, they're out there, so please collect your copy. Uh, Friday, we will be having the dance. Like I said, to all you guys out there, want to take your girl out on a special night, I've never met a woman who didn't like dance. So it's always a good date. Uh, and Sunday, we are having our jam. So this Sunday, 2 o'clock, today at 2 o'clock, we are having our music jam. Are there any other announcements for the good of the family? Well, being none, I invite you to stand as we begin our worship. Blessed be the Holy Trinity. One God, whose teaching is life, whose presence is sure, and whose love is endless. Amen. Let us confess our sin to the one who welcomes us with an open heart. God, our comforter, like lost sheep we have gone astray. We gaze upon abundance and see scarcity. We turn our faces away from injustice and oppression. We exploit the earth with our apathy and greed. Free us from our sin, gracious God. Listen when we call out to you for help. Lead us by your love to love our neighbors as ourselves. Amen. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But by the gift of grace in Jesus Christ, God makes you righteous. Receive with glad hearts the forgiveness of all your sins. Amen.
the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Please join me in praying the prayer of the day. O oh God, through suffering and rejection, you bring forth our salvation, and by the glory of the cross, you transform our lives. Grant that for the sake of this gospel, we may turn from the lure of evil, take up our cross, and follow your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. A reading from Isaiah. The Lord God has given me the tongue of a teacher, that I may know how to sustain the weary with a word. Morning by morning he wakens, wakens my ear to listen at those who are taught. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious. I did not turn backward. I gave my back to those who struck me, and my cheeks to those who pulled out the beard. I did not hide my face from insult and spitting. The Lord God helps me. Therefore, I have not been disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like flint, and I know that I shall not be put to shame. He who vindicates me is near. Who will contend with me? Let us stand up together. Who are my adversaries? Let them comfort me. It is the Lord God who helps me, who will declare me guilty. The word of the Lord. Let us read responsively Psalm 116. I love the Lord who has heard my voice. For the Lord has given ear to me. The cords of death entangled me. The anguish of the grave came upon me. Then I called upon the name of the Lord. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. The Lord watches over the innocent. Turn again to your rest, O my soul. For you have rescued my life from death. I will walk in the presence of the Lord. A reading from James. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers and sisters, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness, for all of us make many mistakes. Anyone who makes no mistakes in speaking is perfect, able to keep the whole body in check with a bridle. If we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we guide their whole bodies. Or look at ships. Though they are so large that it takes strong winds to drive them, yet they are guided by a very small rudder wherever we will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great exploits. How great a forest is set ablaze by a small fire, and the tongue is a fire. The tongue is placed among our members as a world of inequity. It stains the whole body sets on fire the cycle of nature, and is itself set on fire by hell. For every species of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed, and has been tamed by the human species, but no one can tame the tongue, a restless evil, full of deadly poison. 
With it we bless the Lord and Father, and with it we curse those who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth the same opening, both fresh and brackish water? Can a fig tree, my brothers and sisters, yield olives, or a grapevine figs? No more can salt water yield fresh. The word of the Lord. I invite you to stand for the reading of the gospel. The Holy Gospel according to Mark, the eighth chapter. Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi, and on the way he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? And they answered him, John the Baptist, and others, Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. He asked them, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, you are the Messiah and he sternly ordered them not to tell anyone about him. Then he began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him but turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. <coughs> for those who want to save their life, will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what, they can, what can they give in return for the life? Those who are ashamed of me and my words as an adulterous and sinful generation, of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory with his Father, with the holy angels. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Please be seated. Who do they say I am? Important question. He's asking his disciples, you're out there without me. What am I doing, Larry? I need to move over? Now I'm good. Okay. I'll start over. Who do they say I am? An important question that he put to his disciples. Um, because they were out there. They were out in the world without Jesus. And that's when people could truly speak their mind as to what they thought this phenomenon of Jesus was. Who do they say I am? And the replies are very interesting. Because you have John the Baptist or Elijah. And they're like the bookends of all the prophets. 
that is the beginning or the end of the prophets, however you want to see it, but Elijah was the greatest prophet, the one that was coming at the end of time, and John the Baptist was the last prophet. So they kind of put Jesus in this mix. Well, some were less committed, saying, well, he's definitely one of the prophets. So then he turns to his disciples and say, well, who do you say I am? And Peter jumps right into it and says, you are the Messiah. Now, in other texts, it goes further about what Peter said. But you are the Messiah is enough because in the Jewish understanding of the day, the Messiah was the one that was going to come and make Israel great again. He was going to bring the people back to the greatness. They perceived the greatness that they had when David was king, when Solomon was king. When the, it, the empire was to combine Israel and Judah, it was the best time to have been alive if you were a Jew, so they thought. And this is what they thought the Messiah would be. So then we have this favorite same as seen, then Jesus goes on and explains, well, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to be rejected, I'm going to be killed, and I'm going to rise again. But Peter, uh-uh, don't say that, Jesus. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. He rebukes Peter. And he says to his disciples, you are setting your mind on human things. You are setting your mind to the way we think as humans things should work out that might makes right and power is the end of it all instead of recognizing that there is a totally different agenda they haven't gotten it yet there is a different agenda when it comes to jesus but i want to refocus that question because i think it's an important question who do they say that jesus is and they being the world, they're outside in the world, who do they say Jesus is? Well, what are some of the things we hear? What a friend we have in Jesus. That's one of the things that they say about the world. Jesus is our friend. Another thing they say in the world is, I like this one, Jesus is my co-pilot. We'll just leave that one where it's at. Another thing that is said about Jesus is that they talk about Jesus in eschatological terms. They talk about Jesus in terms of the second coming of Jesus. They talk about Jesus in terms of the sheep and the goats, or even more recently, which only started back in the middle of the 1800s, they talk in terms of rapture. They talk to Jesus in the terms of, I don't want to be left behind right before Jesus comes back. They talk in terms of judgment and discipline and sheep and goats, that the good ones go to heaven and the bad ones, well, they don't make the cut. Or, and this is one I've seen quite a bit recently, Jesus is the answer. The world says, Jesus is the answer. Well, I want to discuss some of these in, re in reverse order, maybe, um, because it's not so much who they say Jesus is, 
It's how it's being said. How it's being said. Because I think that we can say a lot of things with words, but our real answer comes with how we act, how we respond. How has this changed lives? So when we say Jesus is the answer, I'm tempted, I think of that time when I was serving as part of what the Lutherans call the candidacy committee in the UCC. We basically are reviewing those, the, the, the people who are in discernment, those members in discernment that are thinking of becoming a pastor. And I remember one particular time that a question was asked about this person who was seeking to become a pastor. Something, they were, he was asked about the Trinity. And he said, well, it's a mystery. And it responded to me that Jesus is the answer is kind of like this person responding about the Trinity as well, it's a mystery. And I responded to this person, I said, listen, that might be the answer, but this is like a complicated math problem when you used to study, maybe you had trigonometry or algebra two or even calculus somewhere along the line in your schooling. And you couldn't just look at a problem and put down the answer. What did you have to do? Show your work. You had to show your work. You had to show how you derived at that answer. Because quite often, you might be a little bit off on your answer, but if you could show that you had taken the work down the logical steps, that you had followed the formulas, you might have just made a simple mathematical error in among this complicated formula. But when you showed your work, you could almost get full credit, even with the wrong answer. But if you just put down the answer, they would say, well, you cheated because you can't figure that stuff out in your head, which is true. Okay, unless you're some sort of amazing Sheldon-like character, that is. But even Sheldon had boards that showed his work. So when this guy said, when this person who wanted to be a pastor said, was asked about the Trinity, said, well, it's a mystery. I said, Bill, you have to show your work. Because when someone asks you, whether it's a member of your congregation or someone laying on their deathbed, and they ask a question about Trinity, you have to give them more than an answer than it's a mystery. You have to give them how you've gotten to that point where it ultimately is a mystery. And this is my problem when people say, well, Jesus is the answer. I respond, well, what's the question? What question is being asked that Jesus is the answer? Now, I know there's a lot of questions you can say Jesus is the answer. But you're not showing your work. You're not showing where you have gone what has led you down to that path where Jesus has become your answer. And that's what's important. That's how you say who he is. Well, let's get back to that whole idea when we talk about Jesus, when the world out there talks about Jesus in the terms of eschaton, eschatological eschatology, okay? Big fancy nickel dime seminary word. Eschaton is the end of the age and the return of Jesus. And the study of eschatology is the study of those last days. When that's all we do, when that's how we say who Jesus is in terms of the return of Jesus, if that's where we are coming from and we are saying to the world, we are talking about purely a judgmental God. 
And it's on the lines of, you better not shout, you better not cry, you better not pout. I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. That works on a little kid one time. And a kid wises up. Well, you know, I wasn't the best kid last year, and Santa Claus still came. So guess what? I don't believe you. So what we do when this fear factor about the judgment of God through Christ stops working, we, we ramp it up, and we ramp it up, and we ramp it up. And fear is used all the time to control people. And when you are using fear of judgment of Christ as your way of selling, telling who Christ is, the how is being managed through fear, you're going to push more people away than you invite people in. Because people, as a rule, don't respond to fear. Let's face it, we are what? 18, 19 months into a world pandemic, and we're still having to convince people that it's real. How many millions of people have died in this world from this, and yet there are still people who are insisting that's fake. People are laying on their deathbeds, not understanding why they're dying. And plus, if complaining about having to wear one of these to keep one another safe is part of your presence, is part of your dialogue, if you're pushing against this all the time, then what is that saying about how you talk about Jesus who sacrificed himself for us? This is a minor inconvenience, okay? But it does work to keep people safe. Jesus is your co-pilot? Well, the first answer to that is change, plan, change seats, because Jesus should be the pilot, not the co-pilot. And what was the first one? I even forget what the first one it is. But it, you get the point. It's not, who do you say Jesus is in your life? It's how you say it. Now, we gotta make this personal, because that's what Jesus said. Jesus said to the disciples, who do you say I am? I go with Peter's answer, Jesus, you're the Messiah. And in fact, because I've had the advantage of 2,000 years passing, I can start to eliminate those worldly ideas about power and Christendom and that, you know, the golden thrones and recognize that what Jesus really saved me from was myself. Without Christ in my life, without the understanding of the sacrifice that was made on that cross, it would be very easy for me to give in to my worst side, my worst ways. But because Jesus did not just come and give us salvation, but also spent some time on earth teaching us how to live, teaching us how to be humble in the midst of all power, teaching us how to be kind and gracious even to those who weren't kind and gracious to him, teaching us how to teach of love and forgiveness, and most important, the grace of God, which I get even though I am not worthy to it. 
this is why Jesus is the Messiah to me. It's not about power. It's not about riches. I love the line in the psalm that we read. For you have rescued my life from death, my ears from tears, and my feet from stumbling. And because of that, I can walk in the presence of the Lord and in the land of the living. Amen. heard the word of faith, the gospel of salvation. We believe in him and are marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. Living together in trust and hope, we confess our faith. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He ascended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, and the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Made children and heirs of God's promise, 
We pray for the church, the world, and all in need. Revealing God, you have made yourself known through bread and wine, water and word. Continue to nurture your church, that it is a place where your presence is experienced and shared. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Creating God, you brought life into being and called it good. Bring new creation, creation to lands devastated by tornadoes, hurricanes, floods, fires, and other disasters. Restore forests and curb overflowing waters. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Protecting God, you desire all people to live in peace and safety. Provide for all who are in danger. Strengthen first responders to help meet to the complex needs of others. Provide care and compassion as they face trauma themselves. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Transforming God, you announce release to the captives and freedom to the oppressed. Break chains of discrimination and injustice. Amplify voices that go unheard and inspire us to advocate for those who are overlooked. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Forming God, you gather this community together. Shape our communal life that in our prayer, praise, and worship, we honor you and encourage one another. Keep our disagreements civil and increase our joy in working together. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Merciful God, we pray for healing to all those who are ill or suffering, especially Marilyn, Gail, Nancy, Sharon, Howard, Isabel, Isaiah, Jean, Linda, Sharon, Phil, Robert, Violet, Bob, Alex, Diane, Ken, Karen, Raymond, Bob, Jermina, Clay, Joy, Suzette. Sympathy and prayers to Vinnie Rega and family on the passing of his niece, Dory Klein. Sympathy and prayers to Carl Violin family on the passing of his cousin, Kyle Burton. Sympathy and prayers to Ken and Joan Smichael and family on the passing of their son, Eric. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Redeeming God, you accompany your people through every stage of life. We give you thanks for the saints who now rest in your embrace. Lord, in your mercy, I lift up Karen again for prayers, our musician. She's been having a tough time, so please keep her in your prayers. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, we also lift up those other concerns and prayers of our heart. We are now can lift them up aloud or silently. Lord, in your mercy. Receive these prayers, O God, and those in our hearts, known only to you, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. The peace of Christ be with you always. And also with you. Let us wish each other a safe and healthy passing of peace. Peace be with you.
I think we need to sing that all together. That's probably one of the most important theological concepts we have about the church. And we learned it when we were in Sunday school, and yet we constantly forget it. I am the church. You are the church. We are the church together. All of God's people all around the world. Yes, we're the church together. So those who haven't stood yet, I invite you to stand if you're unable, and let's pray the offering prayer as one voice. God of abundance, you cause streams to break forth in the desert and manna to rain from the heavens. Accept the gifts you have first given us. Unite them with the offering of our lives to nourish the world you love so dearly. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And also Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right, our duty and our joy, that we should at all times and all places give thanks to and praise to you, almighty and merciful God, through our Savior, Jesus Christ, who on this day overcame death and the grave, and by his glorious resurrection opened to us the way of everlasting life. And so with all the choirs of angels, with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. Again, after supper, he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. And there's a big amen. Amen. So, now let us be so bold to pray the words that we have been taught by our Savior. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses. Forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. I'm going to invite you to be seated, and I would invite Kayla and Layla and Christine to come forward. And while 
as a church, the ELCA emphasizes that everyone is welcome at the communion table. I also have the pleasure of teaching young people about communion and what's important about communion and mostly what do I teach about? Good table manners, right? It's really good table manners. That's all it is, good table manners. So at this time, I invite you to take the bread or the little wafer Take the bread and you, you put it in your mouth. You're going to probably have to slip your mask down. There you go. Oh, dear, don't chew it. It tastes like cardboard. I'm really sorry because you had made really good bread with us. And now I invite you to take the wine. And guess what? They gave you high test. So you only have to take a sip or just, oh, you get the, the, the white grape juice. You're lucky. Ready? And take the blood of Christ. Congratulations, now you've been communed. And we have gifts for you. Here's your very first Bible, okay? And here, this is a Bible storybook. And I anticipate that your sister will read you stories out of there. So the next time I ask, what's your favorite Bible? Oh, that's a real Bible, full of, full of all the same things, but it's a, it's a new revised standard, but it's your first Bible. But she's got the good one, that's the storybook. That's it taken and they made them into stories. So you read her stories out of there, okay? Okay, thank you. Isn't this something wonderful to celebrate again? Now I know you all have plenty of time now to get that little disc. And get your little cup of red wine and let us take together the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ.
There are a few things that I really like about being pastor in worship. One is speaking those words of absolution that I will say after we confess, because I'm speaking them as much to myself as I am to you. But one of them is putting my hands up after we've raised communion and seeing the people standing up singing. And even though we're singing falling on our knees, standing up is still an important thing. Lord of life, you give your, the gift of your body and blood. You turn the crumbs of our faith into a feast of salvation. Send us forth into the world with shouts of joy bearing witness to the abundance of your love. Isn't that how to say who Christ is? Bearing witness to the abundance of love? In Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. And now, people of God, you are Christ's body, bringing new life to a suffering world. The Holy Trinity, one God, bless you now and forever. Amen. Go in peace, the living word dwells in you.